creating better businesses with Discovery Business Insurance. Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthy Business Show brought to you by Discovery Business Insurance. In this episode, I'm with Anton Ossip, Discovery Insure CEO, who heads up what is probably the most technologically advanced insurer in SA and beyond. He shares his insights into how the right technology can give your business the competitive edge and how it can be a force for social good. Anton Ossip, so good to have you on uh, on the show. It's good to see you again. And um, and I want to dive straight into your journey, and and particularly considering you're a senior leader at, at Discovery, and 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 you were there right at the start of Discovery Insure, and um, you came on board as the CEO, and it, it looked, for all intents and purposes, kind of like a startup. I mean, obviously, it was under the umbrella of, of the Discovery brand, but it still operated as a startup, as a new business that you led back in 2011, I believe. And, uh, and I want to ask, what was that like for you leading this, this new company? And, and did, you, did you feel like you were up against it, facing this, the same challenges and as, as we all did? Or was it a massive help to have the, the kind of umbrella brand behind you? Thanks, Fred. That's a, that's a great question. I think firstly, as a start, um, Discovery is a startup company. You know, so we've been around less than 30 years. You know, we're a relatively new company in the South African landscape. And all the divisions underneath that have started at various points in time. You know, really with a sort of a handful of people, an idea and a dream, and, you know, have really sort of taken off from, from there. So Discovery Show was no different. We started in 2011, which is a small group of people. Um, I joined the business, you know, just really as the business had, had started. There was about 30 people in the business, really sort of developing systems and operational structures. And, you know, while we are within this Discovery corporate, which has now become a, a corporate, a very successful corporate, obviously, divisions within Discovery operate as, you know, as startups. And I remember at the time, you know, it was scary. You know, we had... We had a vision. We wanted to do things differently in the, insur- in the short-term insurance world. We were up against companies that have been around for more than 100 years, many of them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're, they're good competitors. You know, we, we really respect our competitors. It's a hugely competitive space in the in this African insur- short-term insurance marketplace. But we had a vision. We wanted to make people safer. We wanted to be proactive about risk rather than reactive. And we wanted to create an insurance journey that our customers would would enjoy and 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 take away the frustrations that short-term insurance is quite synonymous uh, with. But it wasn't always easy sailing. Yeah, um, There were challenges. I'm sure. Like any entrepreneur, I can relate to entrepreneurs out there. We had many days of, you know, are we going to make it? Is this going to succeed? Are we going to get enough customers? Are we going to create profitability? And we had lots of people out there watching us very, very closely. I'm sure. I guess part of it is the fact that, you know, you could say, oh, you had Discovery, the brand behind you. But at the same time, you also probably, I mean, I'm imagining, had an inordinate amount of pressure from external observers, but also the kind of internal stakeholders who really were relying on you to push it through and to succeed. Yeah, certainly you always have that, that pressure. You know, sure. you always have people kind of, do they believe that you're going to make it? But I must say the discovery business is really geared up towards this kind of startup mentality. Very, very supportive shareholders. And I think any, every entrepreneur needs a supportive shareholder, someone who's going to understand their pain, help them through it, and support them when things go badly because things do sometimes go different to plan. I mean, if I look at our business plans and compared to now, I mean, definitely there's a mix of, of, of things. Some things we did better, some things we did worse. But, you know, directionally, stuck to the dream. We stuck to what we wanted to do. You know, just anecdotally, I mean, I remember finding some, some newspaper articles a few days ago from that time, right, yeah. six months within the business, out there in the big financial press, 
talking about how we're not going to make it, quoting our competitors saying that it's a fad and it's niche <laughs> and it's not going to make you, it. And, and you cut it out. It's great to see it now. It's great to see it now. <laughs> but at the time, it, yeah. the time, it wasn't so nice to see that, obviously. Um, I'm sure. But I think it's that, it's that J-curve pressure. You're in the investment phase, will this J-curve ever become a J and, and actually turn? And it's that resilience. You know, I had an amazing team that I worked with. We are one of, of a number of really, really talented guys for sure. that said, we're in this for the long term, head down, we'll make it work. And it helps to have Adrian and Barry and, and your crew behind you as mentors as well, giving you advice and input at that level. It must be extraordinary, right? Exactly. I'm Adrian's amazing, Barry amazing. I mean, every one of the Exco members. Yeah. Really, I never did I feel that I was on, in this alone. You know, I always felt that I was there as part of a team and the team was kind of, you know, rallying, you know, rallying for our success. And there was never a feeling of, you know, you're on your own. If you don't make it, you know, we'll find someone else that will. It was never like that. It was always we in this together. You know, good times, bad times, we'll make it work. And, and it's, it's quite a unique culture, that. And I think that has really been the reason for Discovery's success in terms of fostering new businesses from, you know, from health to banking to insurance to, to investments to all sorts of businesses. It's nine years later. Discovery Insurance is now a major force within the insurance landscape. How close to that initial definition of discovery insurance are you now? Or how far have you deviated? The core vision hasn't changed one bit. So the vision was creating a nation of great drivers, which really sort of feeds into the discovery theme of, of enhancing, it, making people healthy and enhancing and protecting their lives. That's amazing. That hasn't sort of varied from, from sort of day one. How has, has changed? Um, you know, initially the thinking regarding technology has changed. We thought we would install telematics devices in every one of our clients' vehicles. We would get to lots and lots of vehicles and we would, you know, continue that, that trajectory. You know, at the time that was, that was right, eight years ago. Many years later, smartphone technology became more prevalent around the, sure. around the, the consumer market and we were able to develop smartphone apps that effectively did the same thing in a much more cost-effective, easier way. So, so the how has changed, the why hasn't changed one bit. And I think that leads me to my next question around how, I mean, that what, what makes discovery insurance different from the rest of the pack? What was the definition that really kind of set you apart? And also maybe with specific re reference to the, the term shared value insurance. So I think you hit the nail on the head. That is our difference is shared value insurance. So, okay. so just to kind of summarize what that means for your listeners, effectively, it's our way of um, incentivizing and encouraging behavior change. When behavior changes, it ultimately reduces the frequency and severity of claims or the number of claims and the cost of those claims that an insurance business will experience. And it's taking that saving and investing it in the incentives. So you create this kind of virtuous circle where everyone gains. The client gains from better behavior. No one wants to have accidents. Through lower claims, the insurance company gains. And by taking those savings and giving it back to the clients, the clients are encouraged to further improve their behavior. So kind of everyone gains in the, you know, in this, in this cycle. And then the other party that gains is society because society benefits by lower accidents, lower road fatalities. You know, South Africa so desperately needs a lower yeah, fatality rate. It's a rate. huge challenge in you know, this country. Direct and indirect, it's about 8% of GDP. I mean, mm. it's a huge amount of money mm. spent on road accidents, plus the psychological cost of accidents. I mean, everyone knows someone that's, that's been you know, injured or died in a car accident. For sure. You know, the, the cost of that is, is uh, on, on, on families, it's is, immeasurable, you can't yeah. put a number to that. And, sure. and if we can make a small difference to reduce that rate, that rate of fatalities, you know, we believe we're creating both a business that benefits shareholders as one of our stakeholders, benefits staff, because everyone wants to work for a business with a purpose. 
people don't want to just come in and work for a business that makes profits, gives it to its shareholders and, and moves on. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all excited about our journey and what we're doing. And every time we, you know, we change behavior and when we see the stats coming through and we see this huge improvement that we see when someone joins the program to, you know, weeks later where their driving score improves. You know, anecdotally, I speak to people all the time and they tell me how they used to be a poor driver. And since they've joined our program, literally it like flicked a switch. Mm. Overnight, they're mm. a better driver because mm. they know now what bad driving is all about. They know what they need to do to become a better driver and they're getting a real incentive for doing that. Sure. And Anton, just tell me a little bit about the CSI Child Safe. It's an initiative that we're really proud of. Um, we effectively, we've taken our shared value model and our use of changing behavior and using incentives and we've applied it to a, a different part of the market. So the kind of background to this is about four years ago, there was a horrific accident in the Western Cape in a place called Elsie's River, where a number of kids were killed in a minibus taxi um, mm. that cut across a railway uh, crossing and was, was obviously um, involved in a, in a serious accident. We realized at the time that we had the technology and we had the ability to, to influence this segment of the market, which is school transporters. There are tens of thousands of school transporters in, in the country who all they do is they take kids to school and back. Some of them are retired drivers or retired taxi drivers, but that's their sort of sole focus is taking pe- people to school and back. So we, we did a pilot. Um, originally, I think it was about 80 minibus taxis down in the Western Cape where we put technology in their vehicles. We made sure that their vehicles were roadworthy. And we even checked that the drivers had the right, effectively their eyesight was sufficient to be driving the vehicles. And a number of them actually needed glasses, um, which we used one of our partners to effectively help them get glasses at a, at a low cost. Wow. We, so we used our full partner network from Tiger Wheel and Tires, Spec Savers, you know, really all the partners that Discovery has to ultimately make, you know, make the, the program work. Um, C-Track, our technology partner, assisted us in terms of putting tracking devices in the vehicles. And then we introduced a whole range of incentives to incentivize these drivers to drive well. So we introduced cash prizes every quarter. And then at the end of the year, a minibus taxi to the best driver. So can you imagine how people compete for the minibus taxi? They all want to be the best driver, obviously. Today, there's a thousand people on the program. There hasn't been one um, significant accident over the program over four years with a thousand drivers. So it's really kind of proven itself in terms of success. Um, We are in the process now of talking to a number of, of interested corporates as well as government who have seen this program, they've seen that it's actually, it, it actually is working, there's a proven track record, and we now want to take this country wide and, and apply this really across every single school transporter around the country. That, that's where we're in the process right now of, of expanding that. We've worked with an NGO called ChildSafe, who, who kind of on the ground, they do driver training. So they've got full-time people that all they do is train these drivers on what it means to be a, a good driver. It's an incredible initiative that we're involved in. We're hugely proud of it. And hopefully, we, if we can get it to the point that every single driver is un, under such a program, there never has to be a child ever killed while trying to get to school or back. Kids should be thinking about their schoolwork and thinking about education and, and social and, and other things as opposed to, is this car going to get me to, to school and is it going to get me home? That's and that's so kind of, yeah. you know, that's really a CSR sort of spin-off from the, the program, the Vitality Drive program. But what's amazing about that and what I really like about that is that that is still based upon the central idea of rewarding behavior. I'm really fascinated by the idea of innovation and its its role within discovery and how 
Discovery really embraces innovation. Is that a core principle of each new business that started within Discovery, that it has to have? It feels like, I mean, I'm just listening to you talk about the driving and how fundamentally, I mean, now that we've we've got it in our midst, it feels like, okay, we, you know, it's there. But before that, it you know, it wasn't there. Now you really introduced it and innovated it and entrenched it into the mindset of the South African public. Is that a core principle? tenet of each new business, it has to have something that's truly groundbreaking or we don't do it. That's right. If someone's doing it well and we can't do it better, there's no point in us joining that industry. We'd rather spend, you know, spend time and effort somewhere else. So yeah, every business has to have something breakthrough. It has to have something that that really, you know, makes that industry better for the consumer, for all stakeholders that are that are involved. Um, and it's not static. You know, what what's good in in, in one year, the next year we you need to change. And you need to stay ahead of the curve. So innovation is a core discipline within the business. We're constantly innovating. And innovation isn't just, you know, a small tweak to a product. It isn't the job of a product development, you know, head or product development actuary to, to come up with new, new innovations. It's really everyone's jobs. It's from small things. How do we make a process better? How do we communicate better to a customer? To how do we develop a new product? How do we develop a system that, in, that assists our distribution channel to make their lives easier? So mm. distribution really sort of permeates the business. And, you know, Discovery and Show, we have over 800 people. Yeah, a large portion of them are thinking about innovation all the time, really. And when coming up with the ideas for new business, what does that process look like, Anton? I mean, is it like a big think tank that you guys all sit on a mountaintop in a villa somewhere with a whiteboard? Or is it like a gradual process of meeting after meeting where people throw spaghetti on the wall? I mean, can you maybe give us a little bit of an insight into what's under the hood at Discovery? Yeah, so we are a startup, so there's no sitting on the villa yeah, yeah. on the top of the mountain or whatever. <laughs> it's more um, like in the trenches. I haven't seen yeah. that yet. If that's the case, I haven't seen it. But it's, we really are in the trenches. Okay. Um, certainly there are think tanks and there's you know brainstorming sessions and there's, there's R&D, cos and meetings where a lot of ideas come about. But if I actually look back, some of our greatest ideas were you know on the back of you know maybe a comment from a customer, um, you know, a suggestion from a staff member. What happens if we tried this? And you look at it and say, no, that's actually not going to work. But but wait, actually, there's a piece of that that actually makes sense. Um, and I remember lots of conversations literally in the corridors. This is not, you know, this is not sort of fictitious corridor. This is literally bumping into someone saying, you know, I thought about that. And if you did it that way, and then that idea iterates four times because before it becomes a, a proper product. Mm. Um, I look at one of our innovations where we saw cars were being stolen. As soon in the business, we realized you start seeing it when, you, when, when it comes through your numbers. And we started realizing quite quickly that we could actually predict when someone has stolen your car fairly easily because the fingerprint of how someone drives when they're stealing your car differs to how you, when you're driving your wow. car. Yeah, you know, if you drive your car, you're certainly going to drive in a certain style. Yeah. It doesn't mean you're a good or bad driver. You just got a certain style. Sure. And it's like your, your DNA of driving. Um, but if someone else drives your car and it could be someone stealing your car, it could be your spouse taking your car, your kid taking your car, the data should actually be able to give us a reasonably high chance of predicting that. So we brought that into the systems and now we've got something called driver DNA. It works literally full-time. It's, it's, it's in the system. That's amazing. And as soon as we know that someone's driven your car di sufficiently different enough, you know, it can't be slight differences. It's got to be quite significant differences. We'll call you to say, Fred, are you, are you okay? We pick up that your car <laughs> may be driven differently. Yeah, yeah. Or, sorry, you know, I was, on, I was, I was, uh, I was rushing somewhere, whatever the case is. Yeah. You know, we're not judging. We just want to yeah. know that you're okay. You're fine. You know, your car hasn't been stolen because very often we pick up stolen vehicles before the customer knows it themselves. And, and that hour of, you know, half an hour of getting it's to the critical. vehicle is critical. Otherwise, it's too late. The car's going to be gone. Yeah. That came out of, you know, a real sort of issue by saying, you know, I still remember very, very clearly 
you know, one of my, my product development actuaries and myself, we're looking at it, we're looking at the data, and we're saying, I'm sure we can predict that. And that's, that's, that's kind of as clear as anything. You know, let's build that into the system. There seems to be this real adoption of, of, of creativity, of, of creative thinking, of what-if thinking. And how do you foster that? I mean, is that something that's just in, imprinted in the DNA? Or are there real intentions behind that to, to drive that style of thinking? So part of it is intentional. So part of it is driven to a product launch that we do once a year. Um, it's driven to competitions that we run across the company. We have a competition called Inspiring Excellence, where people are already incentivized to come up with amazing ideas and they compete. You know, people are very competitive okay. and they want to, you know, win the prize and prizes are lucrative. So, so that's obviously very intentional. But more than that, I think it's, it's really is part of the DNA. It's in the okay. conversation. Um, you know, whenever we talk about anything, it, you know, it breaks into a product session. You know, no matter what the conversation is, it kind of breaks into a product session. And and by doing that, it kind of starts permeating the organization. Um, and it's not just, you know, we actually got, we have a lot of actuaries here, but it's in percentage terms. It's, you know, it's way less than 5% of our business, probably 3% of the people yeah, yeah. we employ. So, so innovation's got to be way wider than, you know, a bunch of actuaries coming up with, with ideas. It's got to be operational innovations. It's got to be just making, how do we make life better? How do we make life easier? You know, we're constantly analyzing why people are calling us. And if they repeat calling us, then clearly something's wrong. How do we fix that? Mm. Um, we don't always get it right. And we, we're constantly learning. We're constantly improving. We're constantly sort of iterating on, on what we do um, to ultimately create what we believe will be, a, you know, what we believe is a great experience and will be a better and better experience as time goes on. And so I want to quickly segue into technology and how is technology really shifting the way forward? And, and in terms of particularly with insurance and, and particularly with business insurance, where are you seeing the future? How is it exciting you? And, and you know, what are the areas that you see discovery really pushing forward in? So, so firstly, I think it's technology for the sake of making things better, not for the technology for the sake of technology. Sure. So a lot of things we do is to try and make the journey better. So, you know, for, for many years, we've been allowing clients to interact with us, you know, on a mobile app um, where they can do transactional-based stuff, you know, themselves, whether it's logging a claim, whether it's making changes to, you know, to, to a policy, whether it's, um, whether it's getting information on a policy mm. or seeing how they're doing in terms of their vitality or vitality drive status, um, you know, the gamifying vitality by allowing them to get their weekly rewards on a, on a game board. You know, all of that is technology is driven towards that. Yeah. Um, our driving app, you know, that's where technology can make a difference because you can measure how someone drives using a smartphone app as opposed to a heavy installation process. Um, and now taking all that and applying it to the business world, this SME world in particular, um, is something critical. So we've, we've implemented that successfully in the fleet space where fleet customers can now monitor how their fleets are, are performing. You know, how's the driver driving? Um, giving them rewards, giving the, customer, the, the company rewards for a better performing fleet. Giving them technology so they can see where, they, where their drivers actually are. Um, without them spending thousands of rands a month per vehicle, which, you know, typically what companies will do with sophisticated tracking software, you know, we've offered that using really a smartphone app and, and quite inexpensive technology effectively to, to achieve that. Um, the other, the, so the other side of technology is helping small companies not fall into the pitfalls of technology actually causing harm to the business. Mm. So things like cyber risk is very important. We offer that now as a standard feature within now a commercial offering. Um, so small companies who think that 
cyber risk doesn't apply to them. Unfortunately, every single day, small companies are getting affected by um, you know, someone breaking into their database, encrypting their database and holding them to ransom and businesses not being able to function because of viruses and other um, cyber yeah. crime. So cyber security, social media risk. You know, people think it's great to have a social media presence and, and, and absolutely it is. But when social media goes wrong, your brand can be totally tarnished and destroyed in social media. So how do you protect yourselves against the poor reputation and the liabilities associated with social media liability or social media risk is something that we're focusing on. So it's, it's technology both to help and technology and insurance to protect, but all of that with a very high sort of high tech theme that we've got across our business. I work with a number of entrepreneurs in the community in South Africa. And I think just by and large, I get the sense that insurance is not necessarily one of the top elements of their, their mindset and what they're thinking about in the future. And I, I want to know, I mean, what do you think leaders should be thinking about in terms of, you know, the entrepreneurs who are starting out business, startup founders and so on, who are forging ahead and spending a lot of energy and time in building their businesses, but they really are not worried about those types of risks inherent that you're speaking about now. What, what advice would you give to the startup entrepreneur, the guys who are out there, who are not really so invested in risk as a function of their business to really look at that? I mean, is that something that you think you're seeing a lot of as well in the community that you work with? Yeah, I think the reality is when com people start companies, the last thing they think about is what will go wrong. They yeah. only think optimistically about what will go right. And they, they're growing their business and it's early days and turnover is going up and they worry about making sure they've got the right people and products and marketing. Mm -hmm. um, and then unfortunately not worrying about what will, will go wrong. Um, but so many businesses get into that situation where something does go wrong and haven't protected against that. So insurance is just a way of transferring risk at the end of the day. It's just saying that, you know, if the business burns down, you know, if I can pay for it myself and rebuild it, fantastic, you don't need insurance. Mm. But if you can't, it's about passing on really for a cost for someone else to take on that risk. Um, and so it's just about risk transfer. It's about being aware of what those risks are and then consciously deciding whether you want to insure it or whether you want to take the risk yourself. I suppose the dangers that entrepreneurs are by their very nature, just the eternal optimists nonetheless. So what I'm hearing you say is that transferring the risk, just set and forget so that it's pretty much done and dusted and then they can really focus on the stuff that they, they're so ego about and so invested in, right? Yeah, I think we're calling for the entrepreneur to be realistic. Optimism is great but also be realistic. Mm -hmm. uh, things can go wrong outside of your control. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whatever the case may be, um, you know, somehow you, you don't have power for weeks on end for a certain reason. Can you transfer that risk? You know, in certain cases you can, in certain cases you can't. Um, you know, your business, when you've got two cars on the road delivering things to, to customers, you know, those cars on an accident and, you know, can't be driven. One of the cars, how's your business going to survive? Um, mm -hmm. So there's, there's lots of risks that you have. And actually when you, price it, it's actually quite an inexpensive way of transferring that risk and sleeping well at night, knowing if all those things happen, it's not your responsibility mm -hmm. or there's someone else that can, that's going to help you and partner with you to get your business back on, on track immediately. Or if your business can't operate for a period of time, it's about having financial cover for that period because yeah. you still got salaries to pay. Um, so it's just about being realistic about things do happen. They happen every single day. You know, insurance companies wouldn't exist if those, you know, if those, those situations didn't happen. Sure. They happen every day. It may happen to you you know, understand what, you know, what you're not covered for, price it and see what it's going to cost and see if it's affordable. And, and maybe there's, a, there's a, a middle ground where you don't buy full cover, 
you buy only partial cover and you only buy cover that you can afford. Sure. Um, and as you're more successful, you build up your cover. But don't ignore it and don't pretend that your business is going to be the only business that is not subject to those risks because because that's unrealistic. And you know, everyone, you know, we want these businesses to succeed for the long term. This country mm. so desperately needs lots of entrepreneurial businesses that succeed and don't fail. You know, the stats tell you a high percentage of businesses fail in the first five years. Don't be one of those statistics. Sure. What is your feeling of the temperature in South Africa at the moment? You know, are you excited? Are you optimistic? Do you feel cautious? Where do you stand in terms of your view of, of the situation at the moment? So I think, I mean, overall, from a, you know, being realistic, we're obviously very concerned about lots of sort of macro factors, sure. you know, both in South Africa and globally. I mean, it's not like it's just South Africa that's subject to lots of macro concerns at the moment. It's, it's a global phenomenon. Um, I think at the small business end of the, the sector, I think there's great opportunities. And we're seeing some amazing uh, startups coming through from South Africa. Um, you know, we've got a growing middle class. We've got a huge amount of people that want to consume. Um, and I think there's incredible opportunities for, for, uh, for entrepreneurs who are thriving in this market. So I think doom and gloom, there's no space for. To being kind of optimistic without worrying about realism, there's no space for either. So I think mm -hmm. we need to understand, you know, what is our reality um, and how do we operate within that? Mm -hmm. um, you now within our business, I mean, we've been growing, you know, greater than 20% per annum over the last five years or, or so um, in a tough environment. And mm -hmm. it's not because the whole market's growing, it's because, you know, we are, you know, we're not sort of holding ourselves back saying, the economy is not growing, so therefore that's our sort of maximum. Um, how do we do things better? How do we do things smarter? And how do we grow our business, you know, so that regardless of the economy, tough or, you know, some of the best businesses are, are built in tough economies. So, you know, Adrian always says when, when times are tough, that's where you build. That's when you invest. Um, and we've, we've done that sort of consistently over the last three decades or so, mm -hmm. and we'll continue to do that. I concur. I, I definitely agree with your view. I mean, it's a balanced view, and I think there. There's certainly reason to be concerned, but at the same time, also a lot to be excited about. We always look to internationally at um, companies that are doing such great work. But you, you yourself, uh, as a technology company, made the very conscious decision to invest in a company. Uh, in It's called Cam Cambridge Mobile Telematics. Can you talk about that and your involvement there? Because it, it seems like such a beautiful flip of the script, so to speak. Yeah, so this is kind of a story that goes back about five years or so, where sure. we came across a startup um, based out of MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Mm. Um, you know, a small group of of, uh, of really really smart guys that had um, thought that there's a way to accurately measure how cars being driven using a smartphone phone application. A lot of people thought that that was you know kind of a pipe dream. It's never going to be accurate. You know, you've got a phone that's moving all over the place and. Someone may be talking on it. How does it know what's happening yeah. in the car and, and outside the car and separate, separate between the two? Um, but we, saw, we met these guys. We saw quite easily, you know, early on that these guys were really impressive in terms of their thinking and what they'd built um, before that. But it wasn't sort of at the point ready to be used in the consumer market or in the insurance market. Our team worked together with their team. We got a strong R&D engineering team. Sure. And we developed some technology in conjunction with them and, and jointly um, patented some technology that today has become the most used telematics technology in this particular field of, of telematics, smartphone telematics. CMT has become a very successful um, business. They now power about 30 insurance companies around the world from the largest insurance companies in, in many markets. They're companies that have millions of consumers. Um, we were the first investor, so we gave them their, their seed capital. The business has been a great success story. It's now, you know, it was valued over, you know, really in a 
big, big number um, by one of the big uh, venture capital uh, companies that invested in them last year. Um, it's been obviously a great investment for for Discovery. Sure. Um, but you know, more importantly, it's helped us to really sort of power our, our business in terms of the technology that it's associated with. So I think Kiehl's was a combination of a South African startup business um, with a US startup business kind of coming together, bringing the best of our skills and creating a global yeah, success it's story. an amazing, yet another untold story that I think, I mean, there's so many of these under the hood in South African business, which, which just need to be told. And I think that's amazing. I want to finish off, Anton, just with a couple of takeaways from you with your particular fairly extensive experience working in, in these teams and with these, these extraordinary people. What advice or some practical tips would you have for entrepreneurs and business owners that are forging ahead in this environment? So a couple of things. I think one is you can't do it alone. So I think being an entrepreneur, you need to you know, make sure you're in a team of good people and you need to bring in the best people. So you read, there's lots of literature on it. You're not going to create a, kind of a, a, the best business out there without the best people. Mm. So you need to ensure that you surrounded yourself with the best people that you've got a team, that you all know the vision, that you're all going in the same direction. You know, my style is to ensure that everyone's empowered, that everyone is able to be the best that they can possibly be. Mm. Um, we have a value within Discovery called liberating the best um, out of people. And, and that's something I believe quite strongly in, to make sure that people can be the best that they can possibly be, you know, reach their potential and, and hopefully way beyond their own um, personal potential. Mm. Um, I think that's in terms of sort of the team dynamics. Um, I think in terms of resilience, it's never going to be easy. I don't think any entrepreneur needs to be to be told that. I think they will know it themselves. It's going to be tough. There's going to be good times. There's going to be bad times. You need to have good partners. You need to have sufficient capital because the rainy day is going to hit and uh, you need to have money to be able to to sustain yourself in those in those times. But if the idea is sound, the economics of your business make sense. You know, there's no point selling something at a loss and keep selling it and hope that things are going to change. Mm. It's not going to change if, you're, if you don't have a, a product that's got a margin. But you've got to be resilient and you've got to ride out the wave and the J-curve. But eventually it does work out. And, you know, we've seen that time and time again within Discovery and, and many businesses can share that same story themselves. Anton, that's amazing. Thank you so much again for your time. It's always a pleasure to sit with you and uh, to glean some of these, these tips and techniques and, uh, and to lean on your, your experience. I think that it's amazing what you've done within Discovery Insurance and, uh, and that particular segment of the business as a whole, how it's grown under your leadership. So congratulations on that and long may it continue. Thanks, Fred. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Healthy Business Show. If you love this podcast, do let us know via social media, tag at discovery underscore SA. Use the hashtag DSY Healthy Business. And please do rate us on your favorite podcast platform, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your shows. You can also find more shows on the Discovery website at discovery.co.za forward slash corporate forward slash podcasts. Creating better businesses with Discovery Business Insurance.